Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Think about your life. What makes you, you? Is it your experiences, your passions, your culture? All of these things make each of us unique, and they shape our point of view, helping to create our personal voice. And what a beautiful thing that is. I'm a firm believer we should all embrace each and every aspect of ourselves to find strength and inspiration from within. And Eva Longoria is doing just that. She is an award-winning actress, director, producer, activist, mother, and so much more. While you may know Eva's brilliant work on screen, you might not be as familiar with her philanthropic work off screen. Following a lifetime of activism, Eva pursued her master's degree in Chicano studies, strengthening her connection to her Mexican heritage and igniting her passion to serve her community. She champions Latina women, using her own voice to inspire others to find theirs. In 2012, she founded the Eva Longoria Foundation with a mission to help Latinas build better futures for themselves and their families through education and entrepreneurship. And now she's focusing her efforts on establishing a national museum celebrating Latino culture, all while working on her latest project, directing a new film about the little-known story of the Mexican-American man behind Flamin' Hot Cheetos. I sat down with Eva as part of our Inspiring America series, and boy, did she inspire me. And now I know she'll inspire you, too. I'm Hoda Kotb. Welcome to a bonus episode of my podcast, Making Space. But there's a phrase that I love mm. and a friend of mine coined it and it basically is life gets greater later. I feel like I'm looking at you and that's what I see. Oh. You're in a moment. You have a beautiful four-year-old son. You have found your purpose. What does life feel like being in this moment right now for you? You know, it's so funny you say that because I have always felt like my greatest success is ahead of me. Hmm. Like, I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> you know, people look at me and they go, oh my God, what was it like being on that big show? And oh, you've accomplished so much. And like, as if my greatest success is behind me. And I'm like, oh, I, I mean, it's, that was great, but wait till what's coming next. And that's my point of view in life. I can't wait to see what's around the corner. And, and I kind of live life that way. Like, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't peak at high school. No, you did not. <laughs> well, can I just talk about Santi for just a moment? Sure. Because I have... This whole interview could be about Santi <laughs> and I would be totally happy. I've adopted children for me later in life and it's been such mm -hmm. a life shift. Yeah. Like how has your life changed since he stepped into it? I mean, obviously in every yeah. way, but probably the biggest way is that he's the center of the universe now. Where before, you know, we were mm -hmm. we had a career and we had our partners or we had, you know, things to do. And now he's the center of the universe and it makes everything actually a lot easier mm -hmm. in life. It makes it easier for me to say no 
to yeah. things. It makes it easier for me to schedule days and weeks and, and uh, you know, work. Everything mm -hmm. is centered around him and his needs and his priorities that it's actually, for me, makes life a lot easier. <laughs> How has he changed you? You know what? I have way more anxiety <laughs> about the world. Yeah. Ah, about the world. What's ahead, yeah. yeah. Like, I've always been philanthropic. I've always been an activist and an advocate and I always believe what I've read and said on stages and now there's this urgency to make mm. the world a better place. Before I was like, yes, this is important. We got to change the world. But now I'm like, if we don't change, yeah. like, the world that he's going to get and live in and inherit is going to be f***ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to We've got to do more. So it's it's given me this urgency in my activism and my philanthropy. All of the goodness in you came from your upbringing. Mm -hmm. All the goodness. So my I'm family. <laughs> I'm trying to picture you as a little girl. Yeah. What it was like growing up being you in this family of overachievers, really. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. grew up with some just A plus. Women. Women. Yeah. I mean, no kidding. Specifically women, yeah. So tell me about that yeah. upbringing for you. Um, it's so funny. Yeah, I'm like the disappointment in my family, <laughs> if you could believe that. Because it's like, oh, she's the actor. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm, I'm accomplishing some good stuff, I think. No, but I come from a family of educators. Mm -hmm. I come from a family of independent women. Um, I come from a family that really values intelligence and and resourcefulness mm -hmm. and discipline. And so I am very grounded in that upbringing. I also am very grounded uh, in, in my immediate family, my older sister's special needs. And so I was born into her world. Mm. I don't really know any other way to be or any other dynamic in a family other than being selfless because everything revolved around my older sister who had special needs. Could we go to Disneyland? We can't go because Lisa can't endure the ride. Or uh -huh. can we go to dinner at this place? Well, we can't go because Lisa probably won't, you know, last for the whole dinner. And like everything was, can Lisa go? Can Lisa do it? And uh, and growing up that way makes you selfless in, in everything you do. But really puts, it put me in somebody else's shoes. Did you feel protective of her? Oh, yeah. And you were much younger, right? I'm, I'm the younger. baby. She's about nine years older than me. So how did, in what ways did you try to protect her? Do oh, you remember? A hundred times. A yeah. hundred times. And I was a feisty, if you think I'm feisty now, like <laughs> you should have seen eight-year-old Eva. I was fit to be tied. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, my mom wanted her to have a very normal high school experience and she had to be integrated into mainstream high school. She used to be in a segregated high school where it was mm -hmm. all special needs mm -hmm. and, and it was great for her. But then she had to be integrated into mainstream school. My mom was terrified. My mother yeah. was like, oh, are people going to be mean to her? I don't know. And But my mom's like, she's going to have a normal high school experience. My mom bought her a letterman. She bought her the graduation ring. Mm -hmm. You know, she was in basketball and she was in cheerleaders. And one day she came home without her letterman. Her jacket? Without her letterman jacket. Yeah. And my mom was like, where's your letterman jacket? And it had been stolen. Somebody stole it off her body. Oh. And I was like nine. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to kick their ass. Yeah. Like I was ready to go to this high yeah. school and find whoever took my sister's letterman jacket. And I said, Lisa, who stole your jacket? And she said, somebody who must have been cold. Somebody who must have been cold? And I was like, oh. Like she didn't think it was a mean person. She thought, oh, somebody must have needed it more, more than, than me. She did. And so she's taught me a lot about 
compassion and and putting yourself in other people's shoes. And she was like, there's no bad person in the world. There's just people who make bad decisions. Oof. Wow. Yeah. How wise is she? My special needs sister teaching me this. Yeah. Wow. So it's funny because you talk about being of service and volunteering and all those things. And I once, Maria Shriver's a dear, dear friend of mine and her yeah. uh, mom started the Special Olympics yep. and her dad started the Peace Corps. Yes. And I said, how did they teach you yeah. about service? Yeah. And she said, they never said the word. They just did it. They just Sounds did like it. what my you guys did. Thing. My earliest memories of my childhood are Special Olympics. Like, <laughs> I, I, like if I think about it, the, the earliest memory, I think I was three, was at a Special Olympics <laughs> and I was a hugger. My mom made us all be huggers. So you stand at the end of the finish line so that the kids can run to you. Mm. And I loved that job. Mm. I loved, I was like, I had took so much pride in being a <laughs> hugger and uh, everything. We volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club because they wouldn't let my sister participate unless a sibling was with her. We were at the Salvation Army and we had to volunteer there in order for her to take karate classes. So there was a lot of bartering with our services to, <laughs> to these organizations as long as my sister could participate. And I loved it. I actually, I loved it. My mom, my aunts, um, you know, introducing us to the word volunteer and volunteerism mm -hmm. was a huge lesson. But mm -hmm. looking back, I didn't think of it as work. I thought right. it was like, oh, we all have to- That's what we do. Chip in. I used to thought, I thought charity was a person. I thought, I was like, she is so nice. <laughs> Who is this woman that keeps helping us? Charity's so sweet. Uh, my mom's like, no, we're working for charity. For charity. Right? But where is she? Where does she live? Yeah. It's interesting when you think about your upbringing because- uh -huh. Obviously, people look at you and they think you you, you are Mexican-American. So I was looking back and I was like, I, I'm first generation. My parents came in from Egypt. I'm like, I wonder, second generation, third generation, fourth generation. You're ninth generation, yeah. right? Ninth. Yeah, nine. Wow. Thirteen in the Americas, nine generations of American. How did your family talk to you about where oh. you were from and oh. what you were about? It was ingrained in us. Yeah. <laughs> and my yeah. dad, if I still go home today for dinner, he'd be like, and you know where we came from. <laughs> yes, dad, I know where we came from. It, there was a very strong sense of, of where we came from yes. and, and remembering it and honoring it um, and celebrating it. And so I've always felt very proud to be Mexican, mm -hmm. but I was in the United States. And so I really straddled this hyphen of Mexican-American. And I, I loved apple pie, but I love enchiladas. Mm -hmm. There's just such a, a, a straddling that you have to do in identity when you're Mexican-American. I always say I'm Texican. Texican? There's a, there's oh, of, did you grow up right on the border? I grew, up, uh, I grew up in Texas, South Texas. South Texas. Yeah. I loved a story you told about when you, it was very easy to cross over the border yeah. and, and how your dad sort of explained the long line. Yeah. I used to think, we used to go across the border all the time when we were little. We would go for lunch. My parents mm -hmm. would go for a margarita. It was just such a, a porous mm -hmm process. You just go and come mm -hmm. and come and go. And all we had to do when we crossed back was say U.S. citizen. And I thought that was a magic word. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, a secret. And so I asked my dad, I said, does that, and I saw the long line of people waiting to cross. And I said, dad, do they not know the magic word? Yeah. And my dad was the one that taught me it definitely is a magic word. The, the, the luck that we had to be born in this country, mm. you know, by this invisible line and border, they're definitely magic words, wow. U.S. citizen. So when you told your family that you wanted to try acting, 
Were they like, go girl, or were they like, no, we're not doing that? <laughs> well, I had I didn't grow up wanting to be an actress. Yeah. I went to college. Yeah. So I graduated with my bachelor's degree, and I said, I think I'm going to be an actor. And because I... Why did you say that? Like, what um, made you? It was a long process, but yeah. what happened was I was uh, in my senior year in college, mm. and I ran out of money. Oh. My Pell Grant ran out. My financial aid ran out. I had five jobs. I could not pay my senior year. I just was like, I'm at the finish line, and I, and I can't pay it. My family couldn't pay it. And so a girlfriend of mine said, you should join the scholarship pageant. It was a beauty pageant, yeah. but it was called the scholarship yeah. pageant. And she's like, yeah, if you win, you get like tuition and books and room and board and stipend. And, and so I was looking at the prize list. And if I had gotten fourth place, I could have my books covered. And I said, okay, if I could just get fourth place, if I could just get fourth place, that's all I wanted. Because then I was going to patchwork the rest. Yeah. Okay, that'll pay for my books. And then my other job will pay for this one class. And then like I was trying to figure out how I was going to pay for my senior year. And uh, and then I ended up winning the pageant. And I remember telling my mom too, I was like, mom, I need a, a dress. I think it's called a gown. <laughs> like I, hadn't, I was not a beauty person. That was, person. Not, thing, that was yeah. not my thing. And my mom was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to be in this pageant. And she's like, oh, honey. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that's Sweetie. a good idea? Because <laughs> she thought I was going to lose. <laughs> my mom. I was like, thanks, mom, for the confidence. And then I won. And she was the only one that came. Like, I didn't invite my oh, family course, or anything. Yeah. My mom was like, I can't believe you won. <laughs> I was like, I know. But that's what paid for my senior year. And so then I finished college. And then in this prize package was a trip to Los Angeles. Oh. And I was like, oh, well, that'll be fun. Yeah, I'll go there. I'll go there for two weeks and mm -hmm. have fun. It would be my graduation gift to myself. Mm -hmm. And I came to L.A. and I was like, I think I'm going to try this. I mean, just one day. Just just a one whim. day. I had never even heard the word actor, yeah. acting. I had never been out of Texas, yeah. really. And so I, I arrive in L.A. with palm trees and you were like, all I'm these people. And I was like, this is so beautiful. And I said, I'm, I think I'm going to try this. And my mom said... Well, you could get a job yeah. because I had my degree. You know, uh, she's like, yeah, you, you could work that. anywhere. You have your education. I said, okay. I felt confident. Like I was like, I'm going to be fine. And within two days, I had a job. I, I went to a temp agency. I got a job there. I was I went to go be a temp because I was yeah. like, I can type. I can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer phones. I can, I can do a lot of things. And they hired me. And so I ended up being a headhunter and pursuing acting. Is that such a funny road you went? What were your jobs that you had when you were in college? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's review. <laughs> let's review. Well, you know, I worked at Wendy's my whole life. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, like flipping burgers is my thing. And uh, so Wendy's was always one of them. And then I was a car mechanic. I worked at a car shop and I would deliver parts to, to garages, but I would also change oil. And then I was a, a dental hygienist oh, assistant. So I would just be there sucking the spit while an actual dental hygienist would clean teeth. And then I was, I worked at the school in the yeah. intramural department oh, and I worked for retail yeah. a million times. I mean, yeah. you name the store, Ross, How I did, worked at everywhere. I can't believe you were doing all that yeah. studying. Yeah making the grades, trying to figure out yeah. how to pay for your senior year. I've always had no less than four jobs at the, like rotating, because this one only paid that and this one only paid this, and I did a lot. I am a jack of all trades. Yes, you are. <laughs> you're, God, you're Coming up, how Eva landed the role that would change her life 
and what inspired her to pursue a master's degree in Chicano studies while acting. That and more when we come back. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. When you hit it in in Hollywood, uh-huh. which is, you know, for some people, look, only a few people get it. We watch the Oscars and say, wow, look at all these people. But yeah. only a few people get to have a magic moment like like you had yeah. um, and that you yes. will continue to have. To have that moment on Desperate Housewives, to be at the top, yeah. what was life like when it was at its best, when everything was at its peak? At its when peak. It came to Not at, at its best, but at its, at its peak. peak. Yeah. Okay, good. Because it, it was a different time. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a really fun yeah. moment in television history. Not only Desperate Housewives, it was Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. Lost. Like, yeah. we revitalized the network at the time and scripted TV. And Desperate Housewives was a dramedy, so it was kind of mm-hmm. different and it was odd and it was weird and it was great. But when I moved to Hollywood, I, I was an extra for two years and then I got one line and then mm-hmm. I got three lines and then I got five lines and then I got a part. And, and so I really had touched every rung of the mm-hmm. ladder. Like I really, by the time I got Desperate Housewives, it wasn't a surprise to me. Hmm. I think it was a surprise to the world because nobody had heard my name, but I had been working towards working. this moment. Yeah, And I was like, I deserve this this moment. I worked very hard for this That's moment. That's big, I think. Yeah. I think not having any imposter syndrome, not no. having, I didn't go to acting school, not having any of that. No. No. No, I was like, I prepared for this opportunity. Of course I should get it. And not in an ego way and not in a narcissistic way. That's not at all. I'm just saying I wasn't discovered at Starbucks. You know, (laughs) like I was an extra stealing toilet paper to get by, okay? And stealing bananas from craft services to eat and live in Hollywood. And uh, and so by the time Desperados came, came along, I was very solid in who I was, in what I wanted. And it was it was overnight in, in the sense of press and rec, and like household name and things like that. So I never changed, but everything around mm-hmm. me changed. Got it. Yeah. Like I remember when they said we were going to be on Oprah, and I was like, we're going to be on Oprah. <laughs> like, it was just like that's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to be yeah. on the cream couch. Yeah. What am I going to wear? I savored every first. Mm. 
every first. Mm. My first upfronts in New York, my first press interview, my first Golden Globes, mm. my mm -hmm. first red carpet, my first time somebody gifted me something. Mm. Remember, uh, they gifted me shoes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can keep these? <laughs> you would have thought, I, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But I remember Helen Hunt told me that. But and she, I had yeah. met her somewhere. And she said, remember this moment because there's not going to be another moment like a hit TV show. Mm. She said even her Oscar didn't compare to Mad About You. Yeah, she said the, the birth of a hit is different. It just lands differently. And you're living in people's houses every week. And there's just something special about that. And she told me that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to remember every moment. So I was really grateful for the opportunity, but I was prepared for it. So you're you're riding high, everything is great. Meantime, you're like, you know what? I think I'm gonna get my master's. So <laughs> I think I'm gonna start studying all over again. Usually when you're at the top and you're like riding high, you're not thinking about what's my master's gonna be in. What, what yeah. made you decide that was the time you wanted um, to start studying? Well, my mom bothering me about it because everybody in my family had a master's degree and she's like, well, you're the only one. I was like, well, I think I'm doing okay, mom. Looking back, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have gotten it because it was so hard. How were you jamming in your studies? I went to night school. I would be on set every day. And then at seven o'clock, I get out of, of set and I drive to night school from seven to 1030 at night. And so I'd only have it Monday, Wednesday, Thursdays. But like, it's all encompassing. Yeah. Like the studying and the studying and the, and the you know, the difference between a master's degree and an undergraduate degree is it's very specialized. Yes. It's very intense in a subject. But what, what, what led me to, also, other than my mother bothering me about getting a master's, was I was doing a lot of advocacy. And I had a big platform and people would invite me to so many things and come and give a keynote and come and give a speech. And, and they would write this, this talking points for me or they would mm -hmm. give me the facts and I would look at the facts and then I'd write a speech based on these facts. And then I would look at the facts and I was like, wait, is this true? Yeah. And I was constantly asking why. And I yeah. wanted to be more articulate and well-read, you know, literate about what I was. What, what subject did you get your master's in? Uh, Chicano studies, mm -hmm. which is Mexican-American mm -hmm. history in the United States. And I thought, I have a lot of questions and I just want to understand where we've been so I can help my community go to where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's what really inspired me to go back. Cause I just wanted to take one class and I took one class and I was like, Oh my God, my head yeah. like oh, exploded yeah. like Chicano 101. And then I took a second class, which was Chicana feminism. So it was all the women in the movement mm -hmm. and the civil rights movement. And I was like, Oh my God, that's fascinating. And I said, okay, let me just take one more class. And then they go, uh, ma'am, you have to enroll. <laughs> So you did? And I did, and I tried to do it quietly. Yeah. I, I didn't want anybody to know um, because, I don't know, I, d I didn't want anybody to know. And uh, and oh. then it came out in the press that I was getting my master's, and then I felt the pressure to finish. Oh. So <laughs> you I kind of needed finish. it. <laughs> but then I was like, now I have to finish. And so, yeah, my, my thesis was um, about Latinas in STEM fields and how, you know, we need more representation in, in STEM fields, uh, you know, engineers and mathematicians and biologists. And, and so that's, that's what led me to, to the master's degree. Did you always feel completely connected to your heritage? Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Not only without question, but also without knowledge that I was different. Oh. Like I, growing up in Texas, I lived in a Mexican neighborhood. Yeah. We're all Tex-Mex. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my mom 
made me take the gifted and talented test and I passed and I had to go to a different school. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was on the other side of town. I had to take a bus and I got on the bus with my bean taco that I ate every day mm-hmm. my whole life and all the kids staring at me going, what is that? And all the kids had a Pop-Tart. Yeah. And I had never seen a Pop-Tart. Yeah. I was like, what's that? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> I was like, it's a bean taco. Don't we all, don't you all eat bean tacos? Everybody on my other school ate bean tacos. I remember somebody goes, she's Mexican. I was like, what is that? I didn't know what that meant. Is that a, is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? What is that? Uh, and then I remember going home and begging my mom to buy Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I was like, you wanted to fit. I just want a Pop-Tart. Yeah. I was like, you know, we're not buying Pop-Tarts. <laughs> but, Cause I think it's natural for a kid to want to fit. Yeah. Cause we had the same thing when we had, when kids were invited over to our house. Oh. My friends were like, what? they couldn't understand my dad. I was like trying to explain. <laughs> I remember my dad one time was like, so you're a lifeguard, do you enjoy it? And I go, the person was like, what? I go, do you like being a lifeguard? Answer him. Like, I couldn't believe they didn't understand. <laughs> but I remembered struggling a little because you want to fit. You want to fit You in. want to be asked to the yeah. di- uh, no, uh, well, to the prom or whatever. Well, not only that, and you, society tells us to assimilate. Yeah. It tells you to yeah. quiet the other and bring up the American. And so there's that pressure my parents had felt, like, make sure you don't speak Spanish. You don't want her to have an accent. You want her to feel American. You want her to fit in. And so that pressure that they had, because I still yell at my mom because I didn't grow up speaking Spanish. I'm like, I can't believe you didn't teach me Spanish. And she was like, no. They wanted you to be like red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah. Red, white, and blue. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. I'm yeah. a very proud American. Yeah. But I am also very, very proud of my, my culture, my heritage. Coming up next, how pursuing her master's degree allowed Eva to connect to her heritage on a much deeper level. And how following her passion helped Eva find her voice on and off screen, pursuing projects that inspire. Stay with us. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I got the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Um, okay, so let's see. Where was yeah. I? Because I'm so enthralled by you. No, no. I'm sure I'm not even following anything that I'm supposed to master's. be. What did your master's degree give you that you didn't have before you, you earned um, it? I think in my advocacy and my political activism that I wasn't just a dumb actress. You know, a lot of people are like, shut up and act. You're an actress. What do you know? And so I did feel like I, I had to I had to work a little harder to prove to people that we we all should have an interest 
and a vested interest in, in what this country does and looks like for for everybody. Well, activism, philanthropy, they're all, they've been with you throughout mm -hmm. your life. This yeah. wasn't, this wasn't anything new. No. Are you just turning up the volume on things that have always been inside or is this as loud as it used to be, but now we're just paying more oh, attention? I feel like it's as loud as, yeah. it, I, I've always, I would like, I was eight marching the Capitol steps with my family because there was a tax on prescription meds that affected my sister. And I remember we all had to go to Austin mm -hmm. and march on the steps of the Capitol. And I was like, Papa, what are we doing? You know, I know, I was only eight, but yeah. I was holding a sign of some sort. And so, yeah, for me, I just had the spotlight. And so I, I was like, okay, and I'm going to have the microphone and the spotlight. I'm going to share it with the right people. And the philanthropic arm of your life, is that the same? That's always been there. It's just now people may be paying more attention. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just that yeah, I think that it's, you know, louder. When we talk about inspiring, because this is for inspiring America, and I'm looking at you, I'm completely inspired. You have a way of just making you believe in possibility. Like yeah. when you said, I got my master's, I worked five jobs, I went to night school. You just do it. Who growing up inspired you? Well, other than my, my sister, Lisa, my mom. I mean, my mom had four girls a special needs daughter, a full-time job, and was a human taxi, driving us to this school, that school, picking us up, band practice, this, this, my sister's therapies, blah, 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 and she would always have dinner on the table at 6 mm. p.m. for my dad. Oh my gosh. Always. There was never a missed dinner, and I was, I just look at her life, and I go, how did she do all that without a cell phone? And I look at my life, and I go, well, I'm not doing enough. I really feel like I'm not doing enough. So. Do you really? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, my team is like exhausted yes. and I'm like, yeah, but we have four more hours. We can, you know, we can do this, we can do that. And, and it's just my perspective of the day. Like I think the day has more time than we think. And so I, I am very efficient with it and I don't, don't waste anything. When do you feel at peace? At home with my family, with my son, I feel just utter peace. Just like, this is my why. Your why? My oh. why. Mm -hmm. He's Oof. my why for everything. <laughs> That's beautiful. So you don't stop. <laughs> That's your life. You are directing mm -hmm. this film, which I am excited about. Just first of all, just tell me about it. Um, it's a biopic. Yes. It's uh, the true story of Richard Montanez, who had a huge hand in developing the, the number one snack in the world, mm -hmm. which is the Flaming Hot Cheeto. Of course. And he was a Mexican janitor who worked at the factory and spent 42 years at PepsiCo working his way up. And it's just a beautiful story about his life, about his perseverance and his inspirational, motivational story. This man shouldn't be alive, much less successful. Mm. And it's really a movie exploring the theme of how opportunities not distributed equally. Uh -huh. Everybody can have talent, mm -hmm. but not everybody gets the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And he really faced a lot of adversity in his life that said, no, 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 no. Ideas don't come from people yeah, like you. Like you. God. <laughs> or, you know, no, 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 no. That job isn't for somebody who looks like you. And no, 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 no. That line is not for people like you. And he always was like, but why not? But why not? But why not? And so his tenacity mm. and drive is so inspiring and motivational. Like this is not the history of the of the Cheeto. This is 
the story, His story. of Richard Montanez, and oh, it's beautiful. I love that you chose that. Did mm-hmm. that was that a layup when you learned about it? You're like, that's the one. Uh, that's the one. You it can was, tell. It was. Everybody goes, "How did you find the story?" I said, "No, the story found me. I was sent the script, and it was an okay script, and I cried four times. Like I was like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God." man and, and the fact that he was mexican-american mm. and i didn't know this story yes. he was a hero in our community and i didn't know it i was like everybody needs to know his story it was one of the few times that i read something and i said only i can do that i am the one that's going to bring this story i have to do it and so my agent was like you should go in on it you're not going to get the job not because she didn't believe in me yeah. she was just like look you haven't done a feature you have you don't really have the body of work to prove you can do this story. And I said, well, I don't have the body of work until I do the movie. <laughs> I was like, it was like the chicken or the egg. I'm like, right, but I have to do the movie to prove to them I can do it. And so I, I basically like acting. I auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and told them my vision and pitched them my ideas and showed them everything I wanted to do and how I wanted to bring his story to life. And, uh, and they finally hired me to do it. And then we did the movie. That's what you do. Yeah. You don't ever stop. That's why you're sitting yeah. here. Yeah. You're yeah. like, they said no. So here's what I did. I mean, right. so far, that's yeah. like your they theme. They said, I they said no. So I did a different pitch. <laughs> so then, I, then I went ahead and I got it. What you're doing is you're shining a light on someone who deserved a light to be shined on yeah. him for years. With your foundation, you do something similar. It's like, you're like, you know what? A lot of people who get to the top of the mountain are happy and they just pack their bags and go. You're like, you're coming up here with me. Yeah. I want you to come up here with me. Your foundation is about that upward motion. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was this such movement of like leaning in, you know, mm-hmm. lean in, lean in. And I was like, no, reach back, reach back. Like you've got to pull people with you and, and you can't just keep moving forward by yourself. You've got to look back and you've got to say who, who, who else is behind me? Keep the door open, let everybody in. And uh, so that's what the foundation does is, is um, really helping Latinas specifically reach their full potential. And that's a big, it's a big idea. Just telling people you believe in their potential is huge. Mm-hmm. And then giving them the infrastructure that's and the it. tools that's it. to reach that potential. Yeah. It's like... Because confidence is something that you got when you were young mm-hmm. and that's been in you, which is why you're here. And it is an interesting thing. You're like, I want to help you too. Yeah. You're not sure you can do it, but I, I believe you can yeah. do it. Or people want permission, right? They go, I, yeah. you know, I want to do this. I just don't know if I it's, can. And you yes. go, I give you permission. Do you need somebody here to say <laughs> you you need permission to be great? I give you permission to be great. Go and be great. And then they, then they feel like, okay, I can. I can do this. Yeah. Do you... Um, I mean, you inspire people, you're inspiring me. So do you hear from people who say, because I saw that, because you did that, because you spoke here, will you tell me just the feeling of like that? Gosh, a lot of times, so many times. And I get so many wonderful, beautiful people that come up to me in restaurants or somewhere random. I was like in Dubai and some Chicana, Mexican-American came up to me and she's like, I'm studying here because you spoke at Harvard. And you t- you said to travel, like travel the world while you're young, right? Before kids, and like travel the world, go go experience different cultures. And she told me that she's like, and I'm here because of you. I was like, well, Dubai's a little far, but I'm glad you're here. Glad you did it. <laughs> but or uh, in my activism, I've had a lot of people off the streets, and all sorts of people who just come up and they say thank you for fighting for me. 
<laughs> and then I go, oh, and then you're just reminded why you're doing it. You know, I, you know, they feel like they don't have a voice. I'm not speaking for them, mm-hmm. but I encourage them to speak for themselves. And I think that's super rewarding. Are you hopeful? So super hopeful. I'm, I'm like the optimist. All my friends are like, could you turn <laughs> down the optimism? I'm like, but this can happen. We but, can do this. But you do believe in your, are you optimistic for the country for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what you're talking about. Um, I'm super optimistic for our country, mostly because of, of our youth. You see how much the younger generations care about this world, about the environment, about social issues. You know, you get inspired. You go, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be okay. If, if that 18 year old is, is as active as she is at 18, imagine the woman she's going to be at 30. Imagine the woman she's going to be mm. at 35, you know? And so I do, I do have a lot of hope because of all the young people I meet across the country. Is there a quote or a, or a mantra or something that you live by that is kind of front so and many. center for you? I know you've got so a lot. Many. I have so many. Give me my iPhone. I have a list. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, probably the one I love most. And I really, it's probably my daily guide is, is how, as Maya Angelou. And she mm. says, people will forget what you did. They're going to forget what you said but they will never forget how you made them feel. And I never forgot that. I said, you know what? I want, when people have an encounter with me, they don't care what I said, but they remember how they felt. Can I tell you something? Yes. I feel good. Oh, good. <laughs> that makes me feel good. Oh, I feel good. But that's what, you know, the movie, with the movie, yeah. people go, you know, what it made you, mm-hmm. you know, sign on to this movie? And I said, I want people to feel inspired. I didn't think, oh, I want to go do a biopic. I want to do a Mexican-American story. I want it to be about a guy. I want it like, I didn't really set guidelines about the kind of movie I wanted to make. I want to make a genre movie. I want to make, like I said, I want to make a movie that makes people leave the theater feeling inspired, feeling like they should have a conversation about Mm -hmm. what are they scared of and what can I accomplish? What can I conquer? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the movie we made. It's going to be, it's going to make people feel really good in a time where I think people need to feel good. People do. People do. So you decided you were going to learn Spanish. It wasn't spoken in your house, but you were going to learn it. Yeah. When did you decide to learn it? And what was that process like for you? Hard. Uh, but you know what? My second language is French because oh. of my my husband at the time was French. And so I learned French and I was speaking French and I was fluent in French and I would do interviews in French. And then when I would do press, people go, right, but you're going to do an interview in Spanish, right? <laughs> and I would be terrified. I would be like, uh, I, I don't speak that well. And so... It was because of that. Like, I wasn't feeling Mexican enough. Mm. Like, I felt a little bit of a fraud. Like, I was like, I'm Mexican. I don't speak Spanish. You know, <laughs> I'm proud to be Mexican, but I don't speak Spanish. And language is such a big part of culture. Language is really an entryway into understanding a culture mm-hmm. in its entirety. But at the same time, I don't think people need to feel less than if they don't speak their native tongue. I think mm-hmm. you can still have, yeah. like I did, I had such ties to being Mexican, even though I didn't speak. And so I just had this sudden urge to like, I need to speak Spanish. I need to speak Spanish. And I was 40 when I started. Wow. And uh, and now I'm fluent because I live in Mexico City, but it, it's been 10 years of learning and uh, and it's been fun and I make mistakes all the time. Yeah. And I think, especially when I'm in Mexico, there's a great appreciation of the Mexican people that I'm even trying. Right. It was a journey when it was hard, but it, it's it's been one of the greatest accomplishments of my life is to be able to to do an interview in Spanish, to talk in Spanish, to, to argue politics in Spanish. Like wow. I feel like now I, now I can You got it. the hang of it? Now I got the hang of it. <laughs> I'll still make mistakes, but I don't care. Cool. <laughs> 
Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of Making Space. And if you haven't already, follow Making Space and check out all of our other episodes from the last three seasons, available wherever you're listening now. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I got a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh-oh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.